my, my head down more like. <laughs> I'd like to welcome everyone to Non-League Podcast. It's episode 60. Uh, I'm Kristen Smith, sitting here in Motherwell once more. And uh, here in Bracknell, it's me, James Bartby, and I will apologise in advance if you hear my little baby girl crying. She's not very well at the minute. And just up along the M4, it's me, Rob Overfield. He too has got family here tonight, but thankfully, it's only the granddaughter, so she'll be fine. Well... I don't know about you two, uh, we were recording this on Tuesday, uh, the 27th of January, because uh, your game last uh, week was, uh, no, sorry, last night was postponed, I believe. Yes, it was. Um, apparently they pitched at um, Earlsmead Harrow, where we should have played Hendon in the Robert Dias League Cup. Apparently it was still waterlogged, which was a bit of a surprise because we thought our pitch was bad at Hampton, but theirs apparently is worse. So we're going to try again next week. Well, that's not uh, not too great. I didn't actually get to a game this week because um, of being away all week, and then uh, the new baby um, nephew I have, as uh, Libby's brother's wife, gave birth. Uh, so we went over to see them, and unf- well, fortunately for me, I didn't really miss a lot as we were hammered four-one away at uh, Chorley. How did you guys get on at the weekend? I'll let you take that one, Rob, as well, because I couldn't go, because uh, oh, little, little Evie was uh, napping all afternoon. <laughs> well, it was a, it was actually a pretty good afternoon at, uh, at Beverly on Saturday afternoon for the, you know, for the second time this season. One of the top three has come to our little ground and gone away with nothing. Um, as you will recall, earlier on in the season, Margate came to our little ground and got beaten 2-0, I think it was. And then on Saturday, Dulwich Hamlet, famous Dulwich Hamlet, came... Um, to uh, Beverly, and they were humbled by a single Charlie Moon goal for a 1-0 victory to the Beavers. It'll make the visit of Maidstone at the end of February quite interesting. Well, I'm just looking at that. On, uh, I didn't realise the attendance, 639. Yep, That's it the was, season high, isn't it? Nope, because no. there was 801 versus VCD earlier on in the season. Oh, wow. So, nice. yes. So, yes, it was... Just, um, just quickly, just before we crack on with the show, you say Hendon's pitch was still waterlogged. Well, they managed to play on Saturday on it. Yes, and that's part of the problem. Part of the problem was they played on it on Saturday when perhaps they might ought not to have done. Uh, and um, the little bit of rain that they had on Sunday night, Monday morning was enough to render it uh, unplayable. And there wasn't that much in this part of London either. Sounds like they've got a worse pitch than us. <laughs> well, that is what I've been told as well. Well, we'll, we'll move on to some happier news. Um this week we're going to talk about an impressive record no matter which division you are in the world, let alone just the UK. Uh, non-league upwards, you can't say fairer than 12 league wins in a row, which is what Tamworth, the Tamworth train keeps on trucking. Well, it can't truck really, can because it's a train. Um, <laughs> keeps on rolling. Um, and... Friend of the podcast, Shane Clark, actually scored two goals as they won 4-1 at home to Staley Bridge at the weekend. But 12 league wins in a row. And Andy, since coming across, uh, I remember last year he was uh, sacked as boss at... Or did he leave? Did he step down? Um, I think it was one of the mutual consent kind of things. Yeah, because I know it came as a bit of a shock for me when he left Wrexham because he'd taken to 
glorious heights, really. And uh, now at uh, Tamworth, he's. I think you've found out the record, James, that he's got since he's taken over you know, back in September or sort of time. Yeah, I, I, I just. Um, I'm a bit of a nerd like that. When I'm, when I'm going to talk about a manager or something like that, about a record like this, I do kind of like to just have a have a proper look at the uh, at the fixtures and get the get the figures right. So. Yeah, he took over in uh, in September, um, the twenty third. His first game in charge was against Rushall Olympic, and you know he got got off to a win there. Um, in total, he's he's been in charge twenty four games in all competitions. Very impressively, has won fifteen and drawn five of those, scoring forty six goals in the process. So, you know, they were second bottom when he took when he took them over, um, and now they're they're, they're third and. Right in the midst of a of a promotion fight, I think it's it's an unbelievable achievement that he's uh, that he's managed to do there. You know, as you say, he did he did well at Wrexham. Um, he really got himself a good a good reputation there. So when he when he did leave, all right, I think you know he'd, he'd had a good crack at it, and you know, not not taking a club like Wrexham up is probably seen as a bit of a a bit of a failure. But you know, in fairness to Wrexham, they are supporters on so. There comes a point when the finances, you know, don't don't allow you to compete. So, I thought he did pretty well at Wrexham. It, since he's left, they're not exactly um, tearing up trees, are they? You know, they're not they're not proving him wrong, if you like, for for him leaving. Um, he had a little spell at Shrewsbury as assistant manager, and then yeah, he went to he went to Tamworth in in September, and yeah, they haven't looked back, have they? They've twelve league wins in a row, and in that run, they have um, they have just had one little. Cup defeat to, um, to Hyde um, in the third qualifier round of the trophy, but yeah, all around that they're uh, they're winning games. I'm, they're not hammering teams. They've, they've had a they've had a couple of three nils and three one, and obviously the four one on Saturday. But other than that, it's just been like little tight two ones, one nils here and there, mm. odd odd goal wins. Um, but they've you know they're certainly putting the results on the board, and and the crowds are are really showing as well. Um, just having a Having a quick look here, when he first took them over, they got 587 to that first home game, um, and they got 965 at the weekend. So it just shows, you know, you start getting things right on the pitch, and they're really, really getting the crowds through the gate. Now, you know, they've the last few games have got over 800, so the the fans have have started to come back because the team's winning. They, you know, I think it's fantastic for for Andy Morell. When he was at Wrexham, I was hoping he'd do well with them. You know, being a lower league football fan all my life, he's always been a someone that I've known about. Cause he's always he's always played at that sort of level, and I, he's one name that I'm hoping hoping can transfer to management. And he seems to be doing a fantastic job at the minute. One thing that is pleasing to see is is that in the last ten matches, he's proven the old point that to be successful, you've got to get your back four right. Um, I mean, since they lost to Hyde at the end of November, they've only conceded four goals in ten games, and that shows that he's got he's worked some kind of chemistry at the back there, and it's working. And if you can keep it tight at the back, you only need ones and twos to win matches. So he's obviously done something that's worked at Tamworth. And uh, it's going to mean he's got an interesting three or four months at the end of the season. Got some interesting games coming up. I mean, he's got a, a trip to Oxford City um, next Saturday. And then the following week, they've got a, 
little home tie against Barrow. So, you know, there's definitely some opportunities there if he really wants to go for it. Yeah, you've got filed away at the end of February as well. So yes, that's a good top at the minute. So. Yeah, I mean, if you I mean if you look at the games, he's got got you know, North February on the 14th. You know that uh, I mean North February aren't you know they're no mugs. Um, to play Oxford City again with the return match, then as you said, AFC filed away. That'll be a test of uh, what Andy Morell can do. If he can get the result going to filed, he's definitely the real deal. Yeah, he's. Uh, say it's not that you've even played when you look at the the teams who've been playing because Solihull, the leading scorer in the conference in North, plays for Solihull, and they kept them to one goal in two games. And Stockport, who yeah, they had a bit of a, a rough start to the uh, the new year. But even so, you can only beat the team that's in front of you. And now it's at Stockport as well, which is always yeah. intimidating with 2,500 at a Conference North ground. And uh, say, Geisley, always there and thereabouts and uh, have put a lot, lot of effort in. And so, yeah, it's just a, it's a surprising turnaround because I know that they, it's not like they've shipped any players out, brought any players in. It's just a case yeah. of, I think, two maybe or three uh, who he put out on loan and they've not really brought a lot of people in. He just sat everybody down and said what's uh, going to happen and they've all just knuckled down and done it. And it's mm. also, as you say, it's ones and twos they're getting and it's the defence that's really doing it for him um, with a very, very tight uh, defence there since he's taken over. And as we all know, at our level... You don't, you're not going to have your blowout 7-0 wins every week, um, but you are going to have a lot of very tight games with uh, not a lot between the teams because in the Conference North this year, there's there's pretty much... A, you've got Files who are sitting pretty and, and Barrow who are chasing them, but other, other than that, you've got... a very tight group uh, of about seven or eight clubs all fighting for the playoff spots. And then you've got another group who in the mid-table um, down to the relegation. So it's a very tight division and he's really proven his worth as far as uh, that's concerned with, uh, I think, what is it? goes It goes back to uh, November. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, you're looking at them in third at the minute on 51 points. You know, you take those 12, 12 wins, you know, that means after after what, after 16 games, they had 15 points. So, you know, just it just goes to show just the, the magnitude of that, that run of form. And they'll be every, you know, they, their opponents now will be virtually beaten before they get out on the pitch, aren't they? Because mm-hmm. they'll be thinking... Mm-hmm. How are we? You know, if we don't go ahead against this team, if they get that one nil, as as you say, Rob, with that defensive Ooh. record Ooh. since the Hyde game, you know, if if Tamworth get a goal ahead, then the, the you know the opponents must, you know, their the heads must drop, and you know, I mean, they've let in an, an awful lot of goals before before that because they've let in thirty three, which Ooh. is other than Boston is you know Boston and Solihull have let in more than that, but in the top six or seven, that's. It's a really bad record. You know, the goal difference is only plus 13 and that that could come back and haunt them uh, at the end of the season, possibly. But, you know, yeah, I mean, 12 games ago, you, 
you tell a fan with fan they'd be third right now, and uh, I think they would have probably locked you away. <laughs> I do recall them being second bottom uh, when he took over. Yeah, and, that's right. Yeah, and that was that's the the feat. He's just a a turnaround that he's managed to do there. Yeah, I mean, he he um, I think his third or fourth game in charge was a three nil defeat at home to Fylde, but since then, you know, he's he's not had a had a hammering. That's his worst result, I think. Obviously, letting him four at home to hide in the in the trophy isn't isn't great. But mm. in terms of the games that he has lost, they've all been really by the odd goal, apart from that filed one. So, you know, the, the team spirit there will be will be massive. And even when they do go a goal down now or get pegged back to one all or something, they'll they'll just have that belief that they can, yeah, you know, go straight up the other end and and mm. score. I mean. Just like they've won 14 and drawn nine and lost five out of their 28 games, you know. And again, 12 wins, 12 games ago, they'd won two, drawn nine, and lost five. It's it's really really nice for us to be talking about a club on the up and a manager doing well and not having a doom and gloom story about a club going out of business mm-hmm. or something. That's our top story. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's it's a phenomenal run of form and long may it continue. Mm. I mean, one thing that they will be quite looking forward to is the fact of the final game of the season. Um, if they need a win, it's probably about the only about the only club in the division that they've probably got a chance of getting it against, and that's at Hyde. Oh, I thought you meant Gainsborough. <laughs> no, 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 I wouldn't. I wouldn't insult our horse like that. No, it's okay. No, the case of the last game of the season is at home to Hyde. So if they so if they need points and goals, at least then they've got a bit of an opportunity. But I don't think Andy Morell will. I think he'll be very comfortable come that come sort of like the beginning of April. Well, it, it's the old adage, he's got the points in the bag. So although Geisley have got games in hand, um, if you've got three games in hand on them, they are six yeah. points behind them. Uh, and then you look back at uh, Chorley, who've got five games in hand, but the ones who are outside the the zone, like Boston and Hensford and Solihull, don't have enough to catch them at this minute. So if they just keep going the way they're going, then who mm. knows? They could even be challenging uh, Barrow for second spot, who are they're only five points uh, behind. Mm. Uh, which means, which makes the game in two weeks' time very interesting, where they play Barrow at Tamworth. That's going to be quite a crucial game because if they if they're st- if they're still five points behind after this weekend, that can be it could be a big turnaround victory against Barrow or leave it just two points and really th- tighten up the race at the top. Yeah, I mean, you say points on the board. I think that's a that's mm. a crucial point as well because, you know, looking at the league table, Tamworth have played twenty eight games, which is the most of anyone in the division. So that that would suggest that they haven't had any any weather influence postponements, and they didn't do too um, well in the cups like us. Yeah, so but mm. that means that they've been able to keep the run going because they've played every every Saturday and every Tuesday that they've been meant to play. I mean, mm. uh, last last season at Hampton, we were doing really well. I think we'd only lost one out of 14 or 15, if I'm right. And then mm. we ended up having three or four weeks off due to the the weather. And that was it. The, you know, the form just went completely out the window when we came back because the momentum had gone. And so in that respect, Tamworth have just been able to build and build and build this momentum up because they're playing every mm. week. And, you know, it's, as, as you say, yeah, Chorley might have all those games in hand, but, you know, they're 10 points behind. They have to win four of those games to get to get ahead of Tamworth, so that that won't be an easy feat, especially when they're going to be playing every every three or four days, you know, twice a week, and you know, you get get further into the season, and there's 
there's the possibilities of Thursdays as well. And at this level, especially, it's absolutely definitely the best situation to have those points on the board. Well, that's the thing because I think just just mentioning that, if you look at uh, like Chorley, have only played twenty three, and Bradford have only played twenty three, and with the postponement um, on the Saturday, that means it's two games a week for Bradford from the end of February to the end of the season to catch up. And it takes its toll, uh, as we know. Uh, we've gone about last year. And we've gone about League Town as well, where they've got a phenomenal number of games to catch up. You're just physically exhausted and mentally exhausted. So, Especially if you're on. in a bad run of form and you're losing games, you're just like, oh, Ooh, yeah. do we really have to play again? You know, you just, you're almost beaten before you even get out there. Yeah, it's one thing that they're going to have to be, you know, that the other teams are going to have to be wary of. Yeah, they know they've got to do the chasing, and uh, when you know you've got to win and you've got no room forever, yeah, does, it adds a, adds a lot of pressure. Adds a lot of pressure to the uh, to every member of the team, knowing that yeah. the failure all, isn't an option. All of a sudden, they'll feel like they're kicking about the old medicine balls that they used to have in the the forties, yeah, aren't they? You know, and on the the big heavy boots and the mud pitchers, yeah. everything will just feel that little bit harder for them. And, it, you know, strikers can snatch at chances because they know that it's absolutely vital that they put it away. And mm. yeah, points on the board all, all day long. Definitely. Uh, and just an, another little interesting fact: uh, they are top of the away form. Um, they've got more points away from home than any other team in the conference north, uh, including Fylde, who uh, seems to be winning everything at the second. Although. As we move on to the FA Trophy draw, there is a name missing, and that is AFC Filed as uh, FC United of Manchester, who tweeted out that I think Filed didn't score against them in two games last year, and uh, as they drew nil nil up at Filed, and uh, they lost two uh, nil to AFC Manchester and down. I'm not sure it was at Gig Lane that week, um, but the interesting thing that uh, Fylde have still only scored one goal in three games against uh, FC United Manchester, but two goals from uh, Craig Linfields uh, and a penalty, and I can't remember the guy's name, and I can't move my Ooh. mouse to work. Um, uh, Jerome Wright, they've got the penalty. Yeah, I, I, I just thought that's pretty cruel, give the guy a chance to get his hat-trick. Um, but uh, more importantly, get the goal and... Filed went out at the hands of uh, FC United and Manchester, and that's I think that's our third one, isn't it, James? That they've taken. Because yeah, because they did Chorley in the last, in the last round. round after a replay, and they, uh, they smashed Harrogate four nil. Um, don't know if you remember that game was the result of an finally actually when the defender made a like it came in there on a fifty fifty and cleared the ball and it went in from the halfway line. I can't remember which FC player it was, but yeah, that was the first goal in in that game but yeah they beat Harrogate 4-0 came back from 2-0 down at Chorley and almost won it at the first time of asking but ended up drawing 3-all and then beat Chorley 1-0 in the replay and then was yeah absolutely demolished filed in the first half 3-0 up by half time and and held on for for the 3-1 and haven't they got a brilliant weekend away for the for the quarter final the way it's all key long work long weekend away Uh, yeah but I mean for the fans they're going to be going down on the Friday Yep. Match Three. on Saturday, come back Sunday. It's going to be it's absolutely fantastic for them. Three coaches so far are 
already booked and that's the official coaches uh, organised by the supporters club there. So that's uh, an amazing thing. Um, but we we do know they were covered in a lot of uh, a lot of depth by the Nonley paper this weekend because uh, also it's their 10th anniversary season and I've just seen today that the news has broken that Benfica are going to send a, a team over to play them at their new ground on mm-hmm. May the 29th which uh, is pretty impressive yeah. as well. That's fantastic, that's, isn't it? That's a great one. That's a, that'll definitely you know, give them a chance to fill the ground for the first time. Yeah, 4,500 uh, compared to 65,000 is mm-hmm. the, uh, the difference in the stadium sizes. But it's all building there and uh, there's lots of scope. But uh, the fourth round proper draw is Woking or Dover are going to play at home to Bath. Um one of those interesting ones where it's Dartford or Halifax versus Wrexham or Gateshead as the mm. uh, replays are being played uh, this weekend, uh, tomorrow and Tuesday the 3rd. So I'm not Yeah, sure. Halifax and Dartford were supposed to play tonight, but the share yeah. got, uh, was waterlogged. So Halifax have, Halifax have travelled down to Telford instead to play a league game. Yeah. It's, it's one of those. It's one of those things. The Shea who takes such a beating. Yeah, well, it's in a valley, isn't it? It's a, I mean, I, I used to go there quite a lot as a as a kid. Um, my f- a friend growing up used to have a season ticket at Leeds United, and their reserve team used to play at the Shea. So we used to go there. You know, we saw the likes of David Beckham, Paul Scholes, and Man United came. It was, you know, it was really good. And the, now the Shea is completely unrecognisable. But yeah, it's it's just in a bowl, and it is. You know, if it rains. It's going to rain on that ground. <laughs> mm. But it's also, they've got covers there and the covers go down to about minus one or minus two and they had to postpone um, last week because it got to minus six in the ground and stuff like this. So it mm. really is a, it's a tough tough time from there at Halifax, who are always well supported. Um, but then the other times we've got Torquay and FC United and Manchester, um, as uh, we've already said. But I think... The interesting one to me is North Ferriby are going to entertain either Braintree or Ebbsfleet, who are playing as we speak, uh, as we're recording on Tuesday this week. Now, I think it's been a tough one to choose Team of the Week, but I believe that you guys are trying to just cause me pain and misery by... (laughs) Choosing, as we've already said about FC United, uh, we don't want to jump on the bandwagon. And although it was a good result for them, I think I do agree with you. Travelling to Farnborough from Hull uh, to win away 2 0 and a comprehensive victory, really, mm. Um, mm. can give you a good shout for Team of the Week. Yeah, um, there, are, there are a few. I mean, FC United were were on the on the shortlist for me, but as you say, you know they've got plenty of coverage elsewhere. We talk about them an awful lot, as a, you know, we hold them up as, as a as a model going forward. Uh, Honourable mention for for Hampton for that win against Dulwich and for you know Enfield Town. They probably my second choice, you know, for winning three nil at, at Leaders Maidstone. That's a phenomenal result because Maidstone don't lose at home. Um, but yeah, f- to travel all that way down to Farnborough to beat a a team from a you know from the division above in their own backyard two 0 in you know in a in a competition that that you know at this stage Farnborough would have had half an eye on potentially you know getting to getting to the last four 
maybe look at the draw even to the final. So yeah, for North Ferry to get to get along there and then be rewarded with a the cracking little home tie against either Braintree or Ebbsfleet is um yeah, it's fantastic. It's a good reward for them and you know, I think team of the week definitely for North Ferriby. Yeah, in the end, I would have to agree with you there, James. I mean, that's a great result for Ferriby. Um, I have to admit, I had a half an eye on that match when um, at Farnborough, um, just because, you know, I just like North Ferriby United. Um, for them to do that, yeah. And, um, you know, it's possible that the police might not like the idea of getting um, a few from Ebbsfleet or from Braintree, you know, wandering up to the uh, little ground at Church, uh, Church Lane. Hmm. Could be interesting, but if the crowd really makes a noise there and really gets in, then um, it'll be a bit definitely a challenge for whoever goes there, because uh, as Kristen knows, um, it's not a very big ground North Ferriby. You pack the pitch is practically well, the stands are practically on the pitch, and um, you know you'll get an atmosphere there. It's it, for all of the facts some of the uh, Braintree players or some of the Everstreet players have played at a higher level. You know, you get a tight ground like that, it does add a bit of pressure to things. So that could be a very interesting tie come Saturday the 7th. Yes, and um, obviously try not to have too big a dig. Pulse City are away at Man City that day, so they are likely to get a good home support uh, because in their yep. last round prior to this one, they only got 265 for a home game in the trophy, um, which you would have thought was a home banker as they were playing Hyde. So it's... a uh, hopefully going to give them a, a good uh, swell to the crowd. I'm not sure how many the little ground there holds, but I know it's not a lot because, it's a, mm-hmm. as you say, it's a very tight to the pitch. And I think if they ever got promoted, they would have to move because it wouldn't go for the dreaded ground grading regulations. I'm not entirely sure what they would have to do. They may have to look at... Pos- I mean, I don't know what the what it's like at Ghoul Town these days. I know they used to play in the Athletic Stadium, didn't they? They still do play there, uh, where the Kung Fu guy, uh, mm. the captain last year. Yeah. Um, yes, that's still at the Athletic yeah, that, Stadium. Yeah, that might be the option, because I would have thought that would probably get the ground grading, wouldn't it? Yeah, oh, I'm pretty certain that they could talk to Daddy and ask to borrow the uh, KC Stadium. <laughs> I don't think so. Given the given given the fact there's already two sporting teams play on that pitch anyway, a third one wouldn't really help. Uh, well, uh, at the moment, just uh, breaking news: it's one uh, nil to Ebbsfleet so far with uh, Cunnington scoring um, after a corner. So uh, it looks like uh, I think it was a corner. Yeah, it was a corner. Um, so could be the town from Ebbsfleet, and I do believe they've got Matthew Godden playing for them. I don't know whether he's still there, but he's a former Scunthorpe man, so he'll know this area of the country uh, pretty well. And uh, those ties are going to be played next Saturday, the 7th of uh, February. And we do wish them all well. And uh, I'm just looking out there. To me, whoever comes out of the Dartford, Halifax, Wrexham, Gateshead, for me, would probably be the ones you'd expect to be favourites uh, to go on and take the trophy, I would have thought. Mm, I think you're right. And uh, so, moving on, just just a, an interesting one. It's not really one we're going to talk about too much, but um, we've mentioned Brig. I've mentioned the Brig are suffering somewhat, and they've actually conceded 17 goals in two games. Uh, and scored none in those same two games against Gredley this year as they lost 7-0 at the weekend. 
Uh, remember, they lost 10-0 in the league uh, in the Evo stick there um, earlier on, and uh, now they've lost another 7-0 at home. So Ooh. it's not but no hat trick now. No. <sighs> now that is odd. Now yeah. that is seriously odd. You concede all that number of goals in against one team. You'd expect one player from that other team to at least get one hat trick, but for 17 goals, we spread split across the team like that. Hmm. Yes, I reckon Grizzly are probably wondering why, why there isn't a hat trick in there. I'll, I'll have to double check now. Uh, there was well, I'm just looking through our hat trick watch, and there's nothing. The, the, Grizzly have got two hat tricks this season: one against Sheffield and one against Loughborough. Yeah, they, it yeah. was. Uh, I, I think I remember commenting that I couldn't believe that it was uh, ten goals and no hat tricks, and then another seven yeah. goals and no hat tricks. But um, I want to talk about Chatham Town. I don't know. Uh, they're down at your neck of the woods. Uh, down there in the uh, Ryman League. I don't know whether you guys have uh, managed to uh, catch up on this story. It was only released yesterday around this time. Um, And I don't know whether you've got any thoughts about this, but I'm not quite uh, believing what their webmasters uh, have said. Basically, Chatham Town's website has been hacked and has taken was taken down uh, by the uh, management there for nearly 12 hours as they were they found that there was a message posted on there um, saying, where's the security with a machine gun wielding man wearing a gas mask? Now, I don't think it was actually an extremist hacker because uh, I've had similar sort of things happen to websites that I've done where I've been rather naughty and not kept my security up to date. Uh, and it's just been a random hack rather than a extremist jihad, uh, a jihadi hacker. Um, I haven't found out which platform Chatham Town use, but I know... You guys are both used to doing websites and used to looking at looking after them. And you know yourself, you've got to keep, especially if you say you've got a WordPress blog um, or you've got blog, you've got something where you've got a content management system. You've got to keep it up to date with the latest patches because there's always exploits going around. So I'm just wondering whether it's more something where they've just been randomly hit rather than hit because they're a football club. I have to admit, I don't know. Um, I know I'm not really involved with our club website, but it's it's uh, hosted by the um, I don't know, company group, whatever it is, Pitch Hero. So, um, yeah, which you would expect to be half decent. I'm no idea. I'm just trying to find. Uh, I'm just trying to see if I can find out where Chatham actually do hold host the website. The, the it's an independent one. Looking yeah. at, I've just been on it. Um, I think it's you know like a self-hosted one. As he, um, as he said, was it Steve Archer? I think the uh, the man who's put it together. He's he said he's taken him two years to to build the site, and yeah. he's got apparently he's got results on on there going back to 1990. So hopefully that's all still intact. And and this yeah. uh, I, rather I... strange strange attack, as he says, you know, it must have just been a, a mistake. They must have thought for some reason they were going for a bigger club than they actually were. <laughs> Mm. I mean, it wouldn't take a lot of research to actually work that out. You know, you would just have to look at some of the teams they were playing. There is no way on earth you can um, take um, 
you know, Chatham Town playing, say, for example, Thamesmead or Tilbury or Averley has been a really high-standard club. This is no disrespect to Chatham, but the person or whoever facilitated this didn't exactly do too much research before they actually went ahead with it, did they? Uh, the, what, what they actually do, they just set a little computer program running on their machine mm. and it tries various URLs on various every site it finds and just goes through the number. So it would be inter- interesting to find out whether it's actually hosted, well, the domain is hosted by a company in Sheffield called Pipe 10. So I don't know, uh, I'd have to do some more research to really look into it fully. But I've, I say, I've, I know myself when I check logs of websites that I looked after and I've dealt with, mm. you're constantly getting people trying to log in and they're not selecting you because of any other reason than you're just a number and you're on the internet. And if anybody looks at any of their logs of their BT router or their Virgin router or anything, they'll find hundreds of attempts where people have just been scanning and going through. Now, better ISPs will protect the home user, but your website, you want people to be able to connect to. So uh, it's still... a much of a shock and credit to them to getting it back up and running really um although once again putting my condescending hat on has he not got a backup if he's worried about his data going missing surely you would have a backup of it or is that i would, just have, me? Thought, I would have thought so because it's just standard practice you've got to have something to upload in the first place so i would hope he would keep everything you know at least keep everything at home and a yeah. copy of everything that he's got if nothing else even if he hasn't got a backup site. Well, that's the thing. It should, you should have it. Amazon web hosting is very cheap. <laughs> you can, you can put stuff together. You could even just zip it all up and put it in a Dropbox or something. It's mm. Um, mm. that was scary. Hopefully, they haven't lost anything because it is actually nice to see uh, some people who are independent and do mm. want to put the. Uh, the love of the effort into producing a website for the clubs because quite often especially at our level you go onto a website and it is a pitch hero one but there's no information on there other than the bare minimum that pitch hero actually supply uh, with mm-hmm. the results sections and stuff like that um, rather than good content and good history and actually finding out about something uh, so uh, it's interesting to uh, to see but hopefully not lost anything um one thing I would like to say is we've got more internationals in the league. Uh, we spoke about the two players uh, from Lowestoft last week who have been signed up for Montserrat and another conference-level player has been signed up. This time it's Conference South and it's uh, Maidenhead uh, United. Uh, midfielder Adrian Clifton has been called up for the uh, national squad as well. So... Uh, more people down there, so I don't know what it is with the the conference level football. We've seems to have getting more and more internationals uh, uh, each time the uh, countries are doing the international call ups. <coughs> Sorry, mm, yeah. Sorry, I was miles away. Um, yeah, um, just goes to show really that um, you know if you can. <laughs> You can at least show where you come from. You've got a chance of playing for, you know, you know any country. Because I remember there was, back in the 80s, it, you know, even a club like the size of Full City had an international on its books. Basically, it was Bermuda, but, you know, it's the way it goes. You know, 
Uh, anyway, good luck to them. It's uh, it's hoped they at least don't just disgrace them, disgrace themselves under the club, and uh, you know, put in a decent performance for their uh, for their homeland. Yeah, it's it's always great to see. Regardless of what some people say, well, it's only that country. It's well, my answer is how many international caps have you got? Mm. And uh, well, it's going to be a very short section. This next one, and about now, it's time for hat trick watch. I don't know what's going on. Oh, my love for the Southern League is diminishing because they seem to forget <laughs> to be how to score a goal. Um, once again, there were there were some goal fests, but there were no hat tricks. <laughs> and I just, we already said about uh, Gresley scoring seven. There was a couple of other six and fives, and nobody seemed to want to score a hat trick for us. But there was two. Um, one of which was in the Conference North, but we really don't want to talk about that one. Because, as I've already said to everybody, I didn't get to the game at the weekend. We've already chosen our closest league rivals, uh, North Ferriby, as Team of the Week uh, over Gainsborough Trinity. And now I have to go through and say the only hat-trick in the whole of the uh, conference, as far as I could tell, was at the Gainsborough Trinity matches. They travelled to Chorley and lost 4-1. James Dean scored a hat-trick in the second half in only 15 minutes. Yeah, player of the week, I'd say, wouldn't you say, Rob? I mean, 15 minutes like that just basically kills the game, you know, especially in the first 15 minutes after in the second half. I mean, the poor games, we would have had to have been chasing that one after being going in at half-time thinking they were still in the game. Yeah, that's definitely got to be a candidate. Yeah, just don't let him out on a motorbike. Well, the the, the problem I had is that I wasn't at the game, so I was trying to run the one Twitter the feed. <laughs> I, I glassed over that one because I... Actually, the, probably the average age of our audience would understand that. Um, but uh, I was doing the Twitter feed uh, remotely, and so I did, oh, Trinity are two down. And then I lost my connection for 10 minutes, and then all of a sudden, oh, we're four down. And Libby said, you've missed out the third goal. I said, yeah, because they've just scored that many so quickly. Um, we did grab one back in the 90th minute, though. That's the only thing, yeah. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I am I would go with you for player of the week because it is a phenomenal feat. And, uh, yeah, 15 minutes to grab a hat-trick. He did score a penalty, uh, a sandwich in between two no more goals. Uh, as a comprehensive victory, I think is probably the, the best way of putting it. The only other hat trick we could find, uh, if you want to send in your hat tricks, if you think that we're missing any, or just to help us out, really, if you either tweet the show at Non League Pod uh, or you uh, tweet uh, Libby at Libster Clark, then uh, that'll go into our little list. Because the only one we have found other than the one at Trinity, was the one down there at uh, Whiteleaf as uh, Omar Folks, who plays for Mersham, scored three goals as part of the 5-1 away victory for Mersham over Whiteleaf, which uh, is the second player to grab a hat-trick for Mersham this year as uh, back on the 25th of October against Corinthians, um, Tommy Hutchinson grabbed a a hat-trick there. 
So, interestingly, I was expecting Burgess Hill Town to uh, come up and give us a, another hat trick just to prove that life without Greg Lua uh, is still possible. But uh, we didn't get anything out of that and uh, had to rely there. But as I say, Evo sticks south. What's going on? This is now, I think, week number three with no hat-tricks down there. Hmm. That is curious because, I mean, once upon a time, the teams were scoring hat-tricks for fun. You know, now it's a case of players just seem to have lost it a little. So, you know, at least, you know, at least there are still some hat-tricks, unlike uh, their conference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. It, it say it was a it was a hard pressed, and uh, I couldn't find any more, and Libby couldn't find any more. Um, but it's quite a short show tonight, by the sound of it, because but this next section could uh, keep us going for a while, as <laughs> like a Duracell battery, somebody goes on and on and on and. Uh, and finally, the part of the show where we take a look at the lighter side of non-league. Send any suggestions in to add non-league pod or at under the league on Twitter. Let's see what we've got this week. Over to you, James. Yeah, this week, um, thanks go to, to Rob, actually, for, for just pointing this one out just before we came on, on air. We, uh, we, we do like a, a play who's been going on a little while. So, Paul Bastock, this... Uh, this last week or so has uh, gone past the thousand game mark. Um, goalkeeper currently at St. Neots Town, a uh, bit of an on-league legend. Looking at his uh, his previous clubs: uh, St. Albans, Royston, Worksop, Boston, Rushton and Diamonds, Dagenham, Scarborough. Um, yeah, so he uh, he signed in October for St. Neots, and um, yeah, it's at, at St. Neots that he's um, he's gone past a thousand. Thousand mark. It was, I think, a thousand and one on Saturday. Was his uh, took his tally to a thousand and one according to the match mm-hmm. report. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, um, absolute legend of the only game, especially you would say probably Boston United. It looking yeah. like he uh, his first spell he played over five hundred games, yeah. and went back there in two thousand and eleven and played another fifty. So, I'd say more. He's you know he's Boston. Is his. Uh, He's identifying club, I would say, although you know, St Albans, he's made a fair few appearances for them over, mm. what's he had there, three spells, and he's, uh, you know, he's around three, 300 for them, so, mm. you know, he's a, a true legend of the game, and he's still going at, how old is he now, 44. 44. Yeah, made his debut in the 88-89 season, which is, funnily enough, the season I first went to Oxford of Seal Town, that was my first ever live game as a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there is actually a connection to other clubs because I mean, he, uh, you know, he spent time under John Beck at uh, Cambridge. You know, he actually came apparently actually came through um, through the system at Coventry. So he's you know he's definitely uh, seen a bit of football life. But um, yes, I have. I remember seeing Paul Bastock myself uh, when he was at St Albans. Uh, always a bit of a character, and if you get the right banter with him, he he does like it. You know, does like it, and Robert's responds in an appropriate way. And um, for him to, you know, still have the enthusiasm to go out at the age of 44, and still want to go out there and, and have a, done a, you know, a cold, dark night in the Midlands. Hmm. Yeah, there's got to be something still in his head that says football's a great game. And to be honest, uh, you know, it looks like he's a lot of players and a lot of people have time for him. He's uh, he's a good bloke. 
It also proves that keepers uh, tend to outlast everybody else um, when they're playing, because well, you think Peter Shilton and... Uh, <laughs> 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 Apart from pull-off last-minute penalty saves to send their team through and uh, all these other things. Nobody talks about the guy who scored the goals for AFC Wimbledon. They only Ooh. talk about the two penalty saves um, in the uh, penalty Ooh. shootout. So, yeah, it's, that that is a reason they don't run around as much. I do, I do agree. Yeah, I'm just um, looking, actually, at his, um, his honours. He, uh, yeah, he, won the, he actually won the conference title with, uh, with Boston and went up into the Football League with with Boston in uh, 2001-2002. He'd also, a couple of years before that, won the uh, the Southern Football League Premier Division title with Boston, won the FA Youth Cup as well with Coventry, so, and a playoff winner with mm. St Albans. Uh, he's, no, uh, you know, he's no shortage of, yeah. of getting a couple of promotions. There. Um, he, uh, his personal life on the old Wikipedia page and uh, his son Callum is a, is a goalkeeper who's just gone to Grimsby on a scholarship deal or well two years ago 2013 he went mm. to Grimsby on a scholarship deal after he'd also played at Boston uh, at uh, Boston, Boston, Boston uh, Town that's uh, their uh, mm. the uh, s- smaller version of Boston so yes it uh, mm-hmm. runs in the family and in no surprise uh, to see his favourite footballers of all time uh, Peter Shilton, Neville Southall and Chris Woods, three legendary goalkeepers in their own right. Um, we had one, didn't we, um, a little, a few weeks ago we had, I can't remember his name now, forgive me, but he will go, something like that, I think. Yeah. I'd have to go back through, I really noticed that, but. You know, you see, this is what this section's all about. Sometimes we get a nice little funny story, you know, unusual hat-tricks or goalkeeper scoring or mm. things like that but, but you know it's nice when you get a, a true legend I mean this this guy is a true legend of the non-league game because all right he's had a couple of years here and there in the football league but mm. you know he spent an awful lot of his time in the in the non-leagues and just yeah as you say mm. to, to still be going the you know he's he, he's got an awful lot of credit in the bank with with people and I'm mm. sure there'll be you know, any any club when he decides to hang up his gloves would be desperate to get him on board as a as a goalkeeping coach. Mm. I mean, he'll, yes, because he'll have seen many things. He'll have seen the game change. I think about it, the game from when he somebody's debut in the uh, in the non-league game with um, with Fisher. He'll uh, have recognition in that time. So he's basically seen the non-league game um, change, develop, the pyramid put in place. Yeah. He's seen a few things, and he probably can pass on a lot of it too. Yes, he would be someone to decent to have behind the scenes. Yeah, he's. Um, I've just do a quick Google search, and uh, it brings up his. You know, he's, he is actually a, a goalkeeper coach for just for keepers, uh, an international goalkeeper academy. So the. Um, I can't the, recommend them highly enough because my son goes to. Our oh really. Branch. Yeah, well, apparently he's been coaching for seven years, and in that time, he's he's managed to bring ten, ten young goalkeepers through to professional clubs, which is a pretty decent record for for seven that years is. in the role. That is a good record. That is really good. Because you know, goalkeepers, there's only one of them on the pitch at any one time, so to be able to get that many through yeah. to professional clubs, I think yeah. that's that's a that's a brilliant achievement. It is. It is. Well, Shows he's obviously doing something right. 
Absolutely. I mean, if you, if, you know, if you're a kid starting out and your goalkeeper coach has played a thousand matches, you're going to listen to what he says, aren't you? So, you know, all credit to him, he's built himself a yeah. fabulous little uh, reputation and career. And, you know, hopefully hopefully he carries on playing as long as he wants to and he goes out on yeah. on his terms. Indeed. You know, he deserves that at that age. He well, does. The after, thing after, is... What were we talking, 25 years? Yep. Fantastic. <laughs> The other thing is at Boston as well, uh, during the 12 years he was there, he saw all sides of football because it was, um, I think it was 92 when they got relegated and all the problems they had with off-the-pitch stuff that uh, sent them down right down to the Evo stick um, before they clawed their way back up. So he's seen everything from uh, the -the off-the-pitch antics as well. And uh, I'm just having a look because something's just flashed up for me. Um, Lincoln are three down after 24 minutes at Chesterfield. That's a bit of a shock. So that's that's what paid to that conversation. That it's, uh, <laughs> it's, Is it a hat trick? No, I was, hoping, I, was, I was hoping it was going to be a live hat trick just to make lives easier. Oh, uh, yeah, Lincoln no, have had a man sent off for 15 minutes as well. Yeah, so it uh, doesn't look good for them. I'm trying to find Ebb's fleet and I can't find them. They appear not to be sending any scores out at the minute. No, I think walking in Dover tonight, I think the Ebb's fleet one's tomorrow. No, Ebb's fleet are playing now against Braintree. Are they okay? I know, I think they'll... So the the FA website I was looking earlier when we talked about it was they didn't have the working and Dover game listed, <laughs> even it's, though it's being played tonight. Yeah, it's atrocious because it thinks because it's playing on the day, it then should go into results section, not into the um, fixtures section. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, but it's still 1-0, I think, uh, looking at this, to Ebsfleet. Um, I haven't seen anything else. I can't find Braintree at this minute. Uh, Woking, I haven't found their score yet. But again, trying, trying to go through too many things to, to actually to go through that. But uh, it's been really good talking to you guys again. It's a little bit shorter than usual, but uh, it, it's within our hour. And by the time we've finished everything, we will uh, be about up. So, James, where can they find you on the... Uh, revamped internet that is undertheleague.com uh, yep you can find me on twitter uh, at undertheleague and there is a facebook page as well which is uh, undertheleague mm. uh, yeah it's been uh, it's been great talking as always and just a bit of a live update as of a few seconds ago Braintree have got a penalty so but I don't know if they scored it yet and Rob <laughs> you've got away with it you managed to find everything to find out why that uh, you don't have to say why rabbit robo on twitter but where else well you know i got to keep something can't let everybody know everything but you know during the coming week it'll be a case of getting ready for saturday's match at least and which is the other side of Ipswich, which means a three-hour coach journey it's the longest trip in the ryman league and i shall be there on it watching hampton and richmond and still on the internet still on twitter and also on facebook well 
thank you very much guys uh, I'm Kristen Smith you can find me on Twitter at Quistan when I bother tweeting um, or you can always tweet the show at non-league pod or if you find some hat-tricks or anything you can tweet uh, Libby at Libs the Clark um, and I'm going to leave you with this breaking news that the penalty has been scored at yes it is one all. it is now one all, and uh, there's going to be an interesting game as we go through and I lose which screen I'm actually trying to find but really what have you been doing I'll uh, thank you for listening got too many screens